Welcome to the political beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. Look, we are on the precipice of history and something desperately needed for our democracy here in the United States of America. For our democracy to survive, no one should be above the law. And Donald Trump, who has spent his life breaking the law and his presidency trying to destroy our nation, appears to be on the verge of potentially being criminally indicted for a felony by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. The first time in American history when a president of the United States will be criminally indicted. And the justice this nation deserves, the truth our country requires, none of it would be possible without my co-host, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former lawyer and the co-host of Political Beatdown. He was locked in solitary confinement for weeks by Donald Trump's weaponized Justice Department, remains the source of constant attacks by Trump and death threats by Trump's fascist supporters. His courage will forever be remembered in history. Michael Cohen completed his testimony this week before the criminal grand jury in Manhattan on Wednesday. He appeared both Monday and Wednesday, and he's here hosting his show, The Political Beatdown, to tell us more. Michael Cohen, a true honor to be hosting this show. Ah, uh, thank you there, Ben. Uh, listen, for our brigaders, there's there's nothing that we won't do. And I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that one of the biggest issues that are here, and something that I said, I believe it was on Monday, and I repeated it on Wednesday when that gaggle of, I don't even know, hundreds of reporters were there. I said that this is not about revenge. This is not about my animus or a disdain for Donald Trump and the things that come out of his mouth and the fact that he's trying to, you know, destroy our democracy. This is about holding people accountable. It's they're being they should be held accountable to the same extent that you and I and the brigaders would be held accountable. There are not two different sets of laws in America, one for the average Joe and Jane and then those who hold office or political power. There is not two separate, distinct rules of law. And so the fact that I could be held accountable, the fact that the Southern District of New York put it in their charging papers that Donald Trump directed me within which to do it, and I did it, and I was then, um, you know, I pled guilty and I was incarcerated as a direct result. Well, why did they not then bring an action as a co-conspirator um, against Donald Trump? And that's something that Lanny Davis talks about all the time. Uh, and we're hoping, I'm hoping that he certainly continues to talk about it with his amazing PowerPoint explaining what the heck is going on here with the Southern District of New York. Now, one of the things we also know is thanks, of course, to the stupidity of Jeffrey Berman, the former head of the Southern District of New York, from his book and his writings that he did get contact. He was contacted by um, DOJ, by Maine Justice, which of course came from Bill Barr in order to interfere in my, you know, my specific case at the Southern District of New York. We will see what happens with that. And I do believe that ultimately the DA's case here in New York will open up an entire Pandora's box about Donald Trump's weaponization of the Justice Department and confirm all of the things that are written in my book, Revenge, which is so important to me that people read because now you'll understand what my big fear is. And my big fear is that somebody named Donald Trump decided to ignore what 44 presidents before him kept his sanctisanct, right? Um, which is the office of the presidency, that these individuals right, wanted to be president of the United States. And the biggest fear, again, of our forefathers would be what would happen if a president decided that he wanted to be more than a president, but rather wanted to be an autocrat, a dictator, a monarch, a fuhrer, a supreme leader like Donald. And the big concern is what happens especially as we're going forward. And he's, of course, announced that he intends that he is running actually for nomination of the GOP. What happens if, God forbid, 
this orange-crusted Mandarin Mussolini ends up somehow pulling off another 2016, the danger that this country will face. You know, I think about people who are now very close to me in my life. I think about what you went through, and I think about my dear friend and colleague, Colin Kaepernick, as well. And when you're talking about the playbook of an autocrat, you know, one of the things that Donald Trump first did with my client, Colin Kaepernick, was get the son of a bitch off the field and try to destroy the career of a private citizen for engaging in peaceful protests, for utilizing their First Amendment right, right? That's right out of the playbook. You know, MAGA Republicans talk about cancel culture this, cancel culture that. I mean, like destroying private people's career. And, you know, you look back at it, Kaepernick was one of the first private people who Trump, like, really attacked and then, you know, and then dealt with the owners and said, you know, make sure he doesn't get back on the field ever, basically. And then, you know, I think about, you know, what happened to you and I and, and right out of the playbook of an autocrat, a Fuhrer, I mean, putting you in solitary confinement for 51, 52 days, 51, beca- yeah. 51 days because you were writing a book to tell the truth because you wanted to speak out because you wanted accountability. That's right out of the Fuhrer's playbook. It's right out of the handmaid's tale right, where they just, this group of individuals sparked by the guy who's the head, I forget what his name is in the show, but makes a decision. This one lives, this one dies, this one gets hung, this one, you know, goes to prison, this one gets excommunicated, this one becomes a handsmaid. This is not normal behavior, you know, of an of a president. This is the normal behavior of an autocrat, of a dictator. And this is Kim Jong-un style. This is Mohammed bin Salman style. This is Vladimir Putin style. This is not the style that's supposed to be um, lauded by Americans for somebody who is either holding the position of president of the United States of America or somebody who wants to be, again, president of the United States of America. Look, there's obviously limitations on what you can say about a grand jury proceeding, and everybody knows that we need to uh, respect that. Um, What can you tell us about what went down on Wednesday? And can you, at the highest level, without getting into any details that you can't talk about, maybe give us the most that you can at a a broad level? (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I, I hate to say it, Um, Ben, because there's nobody that I would rather share this with than my brigaders here, our brigaders. Um, It's difficult at this point in time, simply because I am now finished with my grand jury testimony, Uh, 20 times interviewed, two times grand jury Monday and Wednesday for about five hours combined. There's so much that I would love to share because I do truly believe that transparency is extremely important for the American people because we have been deprived of it for so long, especially when Trump was president of the United States. Transparency is extremely important because it gets rid of the hypotheticals. It gets rid of the innuendos. It gets rid of the lies. And unfortunately, I did make a pact with the um, you know district attorney's office that I would be very careful in terms of what I say. I don't want to jeopardize their investigation, nor do I want to jeopardize my ability down the road uh, to be called as a witness uh, in this case. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to uh, share with our brigaders um, certain things that occurred and uh, the topics that are being discussed. I just can't do it now simply because the indictment has not been um, executed yet. Now, one of the things that I read in reports, and I don't know if it's something that you shared or if it was just reported generally, was uh, less in terms of topics or what was discussed, but more kind of process questions in terms of, you know, were, were grand jurors able to ask questions, was... Was that coming, you know, are you able to shed light any on that just yeah, in terms sure. of like duration and length? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, their grand juries uh, are comprised of 23 individuals. And um, at the end of the proceeding, that was the questioning by the lead prosecutor out of the district attorney's office. 
grand jurors are authorized uh, to ask questions. They, of course, do that through the lead prosecutor uh, so that it doesn't touch on something that could be injurious to uh, the case or what have you. But uh, I was asked a significant number of questions by the vast majority of these grand jurors. They asked very pertinent questions that were all relayed uh, to what was discussed um, and what was um, brought up by the lead prosecutor. Uh, There's just additional questions for it, whether it's clarification or for um, additional information that exceeded uh, the scope of what the lead prosecutor was asking. You know, when you left and I saw you enter and I saw you leave, you know, it, it felt like you were, you had carried this weight with you for so long for that moment to happen. And then when you left, I could visibly, you know, and knowing you and speaking with you on a daily basis and the brigade gets to see you all the time though, but physically, and I don't know if you experienced this, you felt, I don't know if the word would be kind of relieved or that you got off your chest everything that for so long had been delayed, had been obstructed, had been, you know, uh, the source of great disinformation by MAGA. Maybe could you walk us through that feeling? Well, you could only imagine when I went in, there was quite a large gaggle that was there. I would say maybe 30, 35, um, journalists, reporters, cameramen, etc. When we came out and I opened the door, um, <laughs> there was well in excess of a hundred. And because that area has a scaffolding that's affixed to the building for the time being, everybody was sort of jammed into a much smaller space. And it was very kind of, I think it was MSNBC actually uh, created a gaggle stand where I could, you know, stand uh, and I could speak to the group as a whole. The problem, though, is, again, because the scaffold, they were to my left, to my right, uh, you know, and basically encircled both Lanny Davis, my attorney, and I. That's a little nerve wracking because you never know who's there as a friend who's there as a foe or who's there just simply to do their job. And so, you know, it's very nerve wracking. And after coming out of this, again, second appearance before the grand jury, now you're being asked questions and you have to be careful for the same reason I'm trying to be careful now uh, with our brigaders in terms of what it is that I say. So every word has to really be couched and it has to be um, scrutinized so that I don't end up doing anything which can benefit Donald, hurt the DA, or vice versa. I mean, that's not the role that I'm there to, you know, to play. But one of the things that I was adamant to say is that my appearances before the district attorney, before the grand jury, is not based out of revenge. And I've said it on this show. I've said it on Nicole Wallace. I've said it on every MSNBC show, CNN show that I've been on, as well as to the press. I don't want to see Donald Trump indicted. I don't want to see Donald Trump prosecuted. I don't want to see him convicted or incarcerated simply because I disagree fundamentally with most of the things that come out of his mouth. I want to see Donald Trump indicted, prosecuted, convicted, and incarcerated because he broke the law. Again, bringing back the entire issue of one set of laws for all Americans, not two sets. Accountability is what I believe that this man needs to finally face for the first time in his life. Now, the greatest part is when you have somebody like Joe Tacopina, and we've talked about him on the previous show when I did my uh, my my cute little uh, monologue there. Yeah, do your, ta- do, do your Tacopina impression you know? for everybody. <laughs> you know, the, the, first of all, I don't think you're going to be seeing much of Tacopina anymore, knowing Donald as I do. He sent this clown out in order to do what? In order to disparage me, to denigrate me, in order to call into question my credibility. 
and it didn't work. Not only did it not work, he doubled and tripled down. Why? Because he's playing to a party of one. And that party of one, of course, being Donald J. Trump. And it didn't work. And now, not only does he look like a total fool, but worse than that, so does Donald. And that's not something that Donald can accept. If you're going to go out there and you're going to fight for him, you have to fight with him uh, for him with facts and with um, you know, legitimate arguments. The arguments that Takapina is making or has made are both not based in law. They're based upon, you know, his mere statements. And that just, it, that just doesn't work. And he's been called out as being incorrect by every single person that he went on the show, uh, a television show for. So great. You know, You've now made a complete fool out of yourself, but worse than that for Donald Trump is that you're now making a fool out of Donald. And so I believe that you're not going to see much of Takapina anymore. He's going to be sidelined the same way that Donald sidelined Haba, the same way that he sidelined, uh, sidelined Giuliani, the same way that he sidelined so many people. Takapina reminds me of that famous Mark Twain quote that it's better to keep <laughs> your mouth shut and appear stupid than open it and remove all doubt. We're going to show some clips of Takapina mm. in a moment, and I'm going to want to have you react to it because not only did he look stupid and look like an idiot, but I think he further incriminated Donald Trump in doing so. You know, I wonder, and I and and I just wonder out loud here. I wonder if even Alvin Bragg is just every time Donald Trump generates one of these stupid posts he does on the social media, just takes it and, and shows it to the grand jury and says, here he is calling the witness that you just saw, Stormy Daniels, a horse face. This is who he is, you know, and Donald Trump is like generating all this evidence that could be used against him. Yeah, in but, various but, ben, but Ben, more than the disparaging nonsensical, childish, um, you know, immature statements that he keeps making about Stormy Daniels and whether or not you agree with her profession is irrelevant. She's definitively not a horse face. She's actually an attractive woman. Uh, and the fact that this is how low a man can go. I mean, you're talking about a 70, you know, seven year old man playing like he's, you know, a, a nine year old in a, you know, in a playground to just hurling uh, all of these horrible statements um, and it's misogynistic, it's sexist, it's all of these things. But the mistake, that big mistake that is going to sideline Takapina is where he actually acknowledges, yeah, 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 he lied, but it doesn't matter. Whoa, slow the fuck down, stupid, because that's not for you to say, but you did. And now it's out there and recorded because why? Because you're completely fucking unhinged. You have no idea of the facts. You think you're going to come out there like a, you know, a television tough guy and you're going to actually, you know, say things and, you know, yell and scream and look completely unhinged. And that's going to change reality. Unfortunately, again, it doesn't. Unless, of course, you're on Newsmax or OAN or, you know, even Fox previously, um, it's not going to work for you. And it doesn't work for Donald. And you actually went ahead, very much like Rudy did early on, right before Donald sidelined him again. You now incriminated your client. So you want to question me? Oh, I'm a good lawyer. I'm a bad lawyer. Not even sure if I have a law degree. Oh, my God, Joe, you're so fucking funny. I forgot to laugh, right? You incriminated your client, you dumb motherfucker. There's no other way to describe you. You are a fucking fool of the greatest magnitude. You incriminated your client who is now being looked at by the district attorney, by the attorney general, and by Atlanta's district attorney, by, you know, DC. What are you doing? You have any idea what you're doing? The answer, emphatically no. Well, let's play the tape here of Joe Takapina where he's on Ari Melber. He's being pressed about lying and then lying about the lies. And then to me, it looks like a lunge, but he certainly tries to grab the paper out of Ari Melber's hand. I've it never was seen that before. I've never what? seen that before. Look, I've been watching, like you, I've been watching the news since CNN was first created. I've never seen a guest 
come in and actually try to grab a document out of the host's hands? What point could you possibly be making? But yeah, let's take it to the video. Play the clip. If all of what you say is true. It is. Then why was Trump hiding it and lying about it at the time? And I'll play that for your response. Mm -hmm. He lied about it. We all know that. Take a look. Take a look. Let's see. That's what you're going to consider a lie. A lie to me is something material under oath in a proceeding. Well, I didn't say perjury. I said a lie. Yeah, but that's not a lie. That's That's not a lie? Here's why it's not a lie. That's not a lie. Here's why it's not a lie. Could you did you know paper, about this? Did you did you paper down? Let, uh, me, let me answer. Did you know about this? Yeah, no, no, I don't. No, we don't need that. Here's what why it's not a lie. Yeah. Because it was a confidential settlement. So if he acknowledged that, he would be violating the confidential settlement. So is it the truth? Of course it's not the truth. Was he supposed to tell the truth? He would be in violation of the agreement if he told the truth. So by him doing that, you by wanna, him doing that, he, he was abiding by not only his rights, but Stormy Daniels' rights. You wanna, it seems like so, we're drawing so, some blood here because you're having a strong reaction. He did lie about it. And in a confidential settlement, you can easily say no comment or I'm not getting into it. it does, he but, says, but, and the reason why I look at this, he says no, no. I didn't know lawyer. about it, Deal but he did know about it, didn't he? You know, but here's the thing. I don't know the timing of that video. I really don't. And I'm not trying to play games April, with you. April 28th. Yeah, I, but I don't know the timing of that video in relation to the timing of the other video where he was speaking to Michael Cohen. What was the date of that other video? Do you know? Uh, yeah, we have the Cohen recording. This was around the 2016 campaign pre-November. So that was 2018 right. later. Uh, the original conversations were in the uh, fall of, of 2016. Yes, sir. So obviously... He knew about it, but what he decided to do was not violate the confidentiality clause and provision of that agreement, which was the right thing to do. So yeah, he could have said no comment or he could have said, I don't know anything about it, which is what he did. But that's the right. I would advise my client to do the same thing. He's speaking to some, whether it's a journalist or some young lady on the September street. September 2016 is the exact date. But, but, but whether he's speaking to a, a journalist or mm-hmm. some young lady on the street is shouting out a question. That is not the form for him to go into detailed questions about a confidential settlement agreement. So let me. Wow. Where do where do you even start? There's no place to start. There's no place to start. I almost want, you know, (laughs) I would like to almost take some uh, ad space over a Times Square and then just play that for 24 hours on a loop. Right. And, you know, uh, with the you know, with the words underneath it. You cannot go on Ari Melber's show. Understand this. Ari Melber is one very smart guy. And Ari Melber does his homework. And Ari Melber knows the facts. All right. He's not sitting there, you know, thinking he's going to bullshit his way through a, um, a, a segment on the show. He wanted to know what day it was. Okay. He said it was September. Then he wanted the other one. Okay. That one was in January. Um, and he has all the information there. He is what's called prepared. Then you have Tacopino who turns around not once, but actually twice in this, in this, um, video and turn and says, yeah, of course he knew about it, but it doesn't matter. And then he would, he would be foolish enough to again, double, triple down. The triple down on that one is where he says, yeah, I would advise my client to do the same. He doesn't know the facts, and that's so important. But then again, you know, that's the problem. There's so many of the talking heads that are out there that just decide that they want to, you know, it's let's go after Michael Cohen, right? This happened when I was first raided by the FBI and then ultimately um, pled guilty to the Southern District of New York's demands, which was either on a Friday, right, 48 hours from the first time we ever heard. And if you read my book, Revenge, you'll understand what I'm talking about. From the first time that I ever spoke with them, and I, it wasn't even me, it was my lawyer, because I wasn't even allowed to go to that meeting. You have 48 hours to come in and to plead guilty, or we file an 80-page indictment against you that includes your wife, all right? This has now also been requested by multiple different members of Congress to open up investigations, whether it was about the IRS and their handling, because there was never even an IRS agent. So all of this is going to come out as a direct result of the district attorney's case down the road, because it's all connected. It's all about the weaponization of the Justice Department by Donald J. Trump through his willing and complicit bloviated dirtbag, Bill Barr. All right. That's just what it is. And everybody down the line, 
who had their dirty fucking hands attached to this thing. The ones who went ahead and tried and threatened me by going after the things that they know I care about the most in my life, my wife, my daughter, and my son. They knew exactly which way I was going to go because they could not allow me under any circumstance to plead not guilty. There was no way that they can do that because of all of the shenanigans that the Southern District of New York, that Nick Roos, Tom McKay, Andrea Griswold, um, Tatiana Martin, all of them were behind. And it's disgusting. It's disgraceful. Robert Kazami, the same exact thing. Who does something like that? 48 hours? Instead, they'll allow somebody like Alan Weisselberg to go ahead and to lie. And I want everybody to Google this. Alan Weisselberg lied. Southern District, New York. And they still used his testimony. They still put him before a grand jury. So this whole thing is absolute bullshit. And truth, the truth is going to rise. I promise all of you that. And it's going to really expose the bigger problem, even worse for Donald Trump than this district attorney's case, because there could be, you know, superseding uh, indictments to follow. Cohen, I like when you were on uh, Don Lemon on CNN, you did the reenactment grabbing the paper <laughs> of Takapina. I think we have that tape as well here. Uh, Salty, roll that tape. The text messages, the emails. All right. So that, because Donald Trump's attorney, Joe Takapina, is also attacking your credibility. If we can play that real okay, quick. Can I, I before you do respond. that, can I just see this one second? Yeah, as you're, so, I know you're talking about <laughs> the, the interview that he did. Yeah, on another uh, Joe, network. that's how you end up asking somebody for a document. <laughs> That's so good. And Cohen, not only did Takapina further incriminate Donald Trump, but he also basically cut off Trump's legs on the victimization argument that Trump tries to make when he goes, they're just going after me, all of these prosecutors, um, because I'm leading in the polls, which is not true. And they're, they want me out of the race. Um, and what Takapina says is, he goes, I believe that this prosecution is actually going to catapult Trump into the White House. So actually flipped what Trump's argument is. So not only did Takapina further incriminate him, but actually remove the talking point that the prosecution is politically motivated to harm Donald Trump by saying it's going to allow Trump to win. Here, play this clip. If they bring this case, I believe this will catapult him into the White House. I believe it because this will show how they are weaponizing the justice system. They're taking the vote not, out of the voters' hands. Joe, that's not really relevant, is it? Oh, it's certainly relevant. What's not relevant to what? Relevant to what? To his innocence. Either he's innocent or not. Oh, no, it's not relevant to his innocence. He's innocent. And if they bring this case because he's innocent, this will catapult him to the White House. Catapult him to the White House. The exact. He doesn't know. He doesn't know the client. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And he's making all sorts of statements that um, that just it's just not true. And it makes him look stupid. It makes his client look stupid. Um, there's there's nothing else I can say. I mean, these videos speak for themselves, no different than the video of Donald standing on Air Force One answering questions. I mean, for God's sakes, what was the point for him to go back there? Could you imagine had he done what every other president does, which is just stay up in your area. Let the press pool in the back unless you have something, you know, important to say why he went back there because he thought he was going to make television, he was going to make some news, he was going to keep, you know, um, the pressure on. Instead, they asked him, and I, and I wish to God I knew who the journalist was that asked. I would love to find that out. It's the most pertinent question that was asked at that time. I, I mean, that specific clip goes ahead and it shows Donald Trump's culpability, right? Then he's lying. Now, Takapin is right about one thing. You know, you want to lie to a journalist? That's absolutely fine. You're, you can do that. It's your First Amendment right. And I mean, Donald Trump lied to the American people. I think it was, what, 40,000 times? Something like that during his four years, eight, nine, ten times a day to the American people, an astonishing number. But at the... You know, as this thing now winds down, Donald Trump could not possibly have gone in and spoken to prosecutors. He could not have spoken to the grand jury because Donald Trump does not understand the distinction between fact and fiction. He doesn't know the difference between honesty and, you know, and dishonesty. It's just 
who he is. He is a habitual liar. He's a pathological liar. And, you know, that only holds up when you're sitting there on Newsmax or OAN or a former Fox. It doesn't hold up when you're before the grand jury. And it doesn't hold up when you're speaking to prosecutors or law enforcement. Then, as Ari appropriately put it, to <laughs> the dismay of Joe Tacopina, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a crime. And there's, no, there's nothing more I can possibly say about Joe. He's basically took over for Alina Haba, who basically did the same thing as Takapina, which is to put their foot in their mouths. I really Donald hope that their shoes are made of spearmint because otherwise it's going you know, to leave this, this, that shit taste in their mouth. But then again, every single lawyer, Ben, who has worked for Trump, every, almost every single one of them, myself included, have all felt the the penalty of association to Donald Trump. We've all felt it. Donald Trump is evidently watching this episode of Political Beatdown and watching your other appearances today. <laughs> he um, has made the following post on his social media platform. I'll ask you to respond to it. He says, does anybody believe that sleazebag disbarred lawyer Michael Cohen went before a grand jury yesterday and did little but talk about it today? You're not allowed to do that. Just like in Georgia, where the juror was severely admonished for talking, Cohen has no credibility at any level, a total loser. Cohen, before I ask you, though, to respond, we're going to take this quick break. Now, let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Masterworks. As per usual, the economy was always a huge topic for the day. And why wouldn't it be? It's changing faster than ever and demanding that we all adapt to keep up. In fact, a stunning survey revealed that over half of Americans making six figures a year now live paycheck to paycheck. Now, even though Goldman Sachs is saying that classic investments are headed nowhere for the rest of the year, other markets are rising to fill that gap creating incredible opportunity among the chaos. Because even if conventional markets flatline this year, there are other assets that don't have to do the same. I actually spent a lot of time digging into this. And according to a recent report by Citibank, the asset with the lowest correlation to the stock market of any major asset class, that's right, was art. It turns out contemporary art prices have outpaced the S&P's 500 return for the last 26 years by, guess what, 131%. Now, this market used to be hard to get into, but Masterworks is the platform that lets you invest in multi-million dollar paintings without breaking the bank. I'm a, I've actually done this. I'm actually an investor in one of their banksies. Masterworks has built an impressive track record of 11 exits, all of them profitable. These numbers speak for themselves. Now, with those kind of results, Masterworks offerings have actually sold out in minutes before. So there is a wait list. But I reached out to them to give you, all of my VIP friends here, access to their latest offerings. So to skip the wait list, just check the description in this video below. And welcome back to Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. Before we took the break, Cohen, I had let you know about a post that Donald Trump had recently made on his social media platform. I'll, I'll read it again. And um, Trump goes, does anybody believe that sleazebag disbarred lawyer Michael Cohen went before a grand jury yesterday and did little but talk about it today? You're not allowed to do that, just like in Georgia where the juror was severely admonished for talking, Cohen has no credibility at any level, a total loser. Your response. <laughs> it's called karma boomerang, bitch. All right. You know, sleazebag. Really? I wasn't the one who had the affairs when my wife just gave birth. That was you, my friend. All right. You directed me. You, you know, you benefited from my actions, which was to, you know, um, produce and to pay that $130,000. That's already been discussed and so on. And as it relates to um, <laughs> me being uh, without credibility and so on, there is nobody right now on this planet that has less credibility than you. And the only nice thing is that this untruth social platform of you, uh, of yours, 
is actually going to be in bankruptcy soon, very much like some of the most, if not all, of your other business ventures. It's going to be in bankruptcy. You have no money that's lost almost all of its um, value, which there really never was anyway. There's no real platform. Yeah, you got your handful of acolytes and moronic followers, and they're going to sit and listen to you. You don't does anybody believe that Michael Cohen went before the grand jury yesterday? Hey, listen up, stupid. There's a hundred video cameras outside that turned around and took photos of me coming out of the DA's office because I was there for a second time before the grand jury. So does anybody believe that I, that I met with the grand jury? Do you understand that the guy's brain doesn't even, it doesn't, it doesn't compute properly. It's all circular nonsense, and it's all meant there in order to disparage somebody. Yeah, my credibility. You know what? The person who lacks credibility, Donald, is you. And at the end of the day, you, my friend, will be held accountable for your dirty deeds. End of story. And at the same time, he uses a word like sleazebag, you know, as you said, if anybody is the biggest sleazebag in the entire planet, he's the number one sleazebag. Let me just read for you this post that he also made on his social media platform. Um, he goes, I did nothing wrong in the, quote, horse face case. I see she showed up in New York today trying to drum up some publicity for herself. I haven't seen or spoken to her since I took a picture with her on a golf course in full golf gear, including a hat, close to 18 years ago. She knows nothing about me other than her con man lawyer, Avenatti, and convicted liar and felon jailbird Michael Cohen may have schemed up, never had an affair with her, just another false accusation by a sleazebag witch hunt. Cohen, your response. Is there anything to respond to? First of all, there's, um, if you post, if you put that picture up of that tweet, uh, I want to show you something, which is great because I think he uses, um, he says acquisition, not acquisition, right? It's, he uses the word acquisition, but the word he was looking for the stupid moron is (laughs) accusation. I mean, this is, and by the way, in the other tweet, he spells Stormy Daniels um, wrong. It's, he spells the, her last name wrong. Again, th- this is a guy with all the best words. This is the guy with the big brain, the genius. This is the guy that there are people out there who actually want to see return to the White House. I mean, are you fucking kidding me, right? I mean, this is the most disgraceful behavior by someone who wants to be president of the United States, the sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic rants by this bloviated, orange-crusted, Mandarin, Mussolini, narcissistic sociopath. This is, this is who people want to come in. Is there something fucking wrong with America these days? Is there something that has just shut off in all of our lives where it's acceptable behavior. I mean, this is this is beyond. I mean, this is beyond a reality show. He is making a mockery of the office of the presidency. I mean, this guy is a complete ass clown of a major magnitude that has never been seen before in America. I mean, first of all, he can't spell for shit. So let's just start with the fact that he's stupid, all right, and accept it for what he is. Second of all, Attack my credibility? Well, listen up, my listen up again, my friend. 17 fucking counts the Trump organization was held accountable for. All right? How about that one? How about your CFO right now is doing time at Rikers Island because of you? Because of you, you asshole. All right? How about the fact that other people, myself included, all ended up in prison, not because of shit that we did. And listen, The haters out there, oh, didn't you have tax evasion? There was no tax evasion. There was no HELOC violation. I've said it a million times. I wrote a fucking book about it. That was the, that was, you know, a number, what was it, number eight New York Times bestselling uh, book. How about the fact that there was no HELOC violation? All right. These were all conjured up by the same asshole that I'm referring to, the same guy who wants to lie to you, right? All of a sudden now I'm in cahoots with Michael Avenatti. What? What the fuck are you talking about, you buffoon? 
What are you talking about? And I'm in cahoots with Avenatti and Stormy Daniels and, and me. How about the fact that Stormy Daniels put him in prison because he stole money from her? How about the fact that he's a complete asshole, Avenatti? I, I, have, I wouldn't to have anything to do with him. Why? In order to go after Donald? I mean, are you that narcissistic? You think everything revolves around you? What? I mean, think about how unhinged that statement is and the fact that this guy, again, is looking for the nod of the GOP. God damn it, GOPers. You know, think about what you're doing. Think about, and look, I'm not a fan of Ron DeSantis at all, and I think he's potentially as dangerous as Donald. But all I can say is if I, if I had a choice, and I, again, I don't like particularly either of them, how could you go with Donald Trump? How could you give your money, which they're doing on a daily basis, to a grifter who's sitting there lying to you about everything? Oh, I did nothing wrong. I took a photo. I was wearing full golf gear and a hat and, you know, 18 years ago. Oh, my God. What the fuck is he babbling about? It makes no sense at all. And the fact that, again, the GOP is even considering the fact that folks like Jim Jordan, you know, I was actually hopeful. I really was, and, and I'm angry at myself for being hopeful um, about it. I was hopeful that Jim Jordan, when he opened up that subcommittee on government weaponization, that it was going to be bipartisan, that they really care about America. Because I believe if you run for Congress, if you, you, know, if you want to be an elected official, that you actually do care about this country, your constituents, and so on. But the fact that this committee, this subcommittee, has become so partisan that they're willing to turn around and lie, continue themselves to lie in order to promote what? The liar-in-chief himself? I'm, I scratch my head every single day, and I thank the folks like Dan Goldman, freshman congressman who went head-to-head -head with Jim Jordan last week, and then the week before that, you know, Congressman Steve Cohen, and then the week before that, you had Congressman Jamie Raskin, God bless him. I mean, could you imagine Jamie Raskin is, you know, he's he's dealing with his own health issues right now, but he cares so much about this country that he puts on the bandana on his head and he goes right to work and he's tackling possibly the most important issue right now, confronting the future of this country and our democracy. So God bless him and speedy recovery, my friend. You know, one of the things that I know how much you love the country and how much you want our democracy to succeed is even where all logic says someone like a Jim Jordan is absolutely corrupt and going to do the wrong thing, though. Because you love our country, you still hold out the slightest hope that just maybe when someone gets into a position of power, the gravity of that position will completely, I don't know, register in a way that it hasn't before. Maybe, just maybe, and 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 it and it doesn't. But you're rooting for the country. You're you're Team America at the end of the day. I want to go back. If you're to not this. Ben, if you don't root for the country, what are you doing? It's almost like getting onto an airplane and you're angry at them because you know. It, the, the seat doesn't recline back. And so you're so angry, you want the plane to crash? That's how stupid these people are. They're willing to fuck up the country. They're willing to burn down this country because Donald wants them to do it. Sir, that's, that's being an American? I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I'm frustrated at trying to explain the level of stupidity. And why is it that so many of these Trump followers are actually doing and saying and promoting the stupidity of Donald, it's because they're racist themselves. There's a whole slew of these, you know, anti-Semite, neo-Nazis that are out there and they're supporting Donald simply because they cannot think of a world where there isn't white privilege. It's such dangerous. He's so dangerous to democracy that if... If we all don't get together, brigaders, if we don't get together and continue to push shows like, you know, Political Beatdown, like the others on Midas Touch and, the, and Justice Matters and Lincoln Project, if we don't sit there and we don't push these platforms to ensure that our voices are heard, that these people do not get reelected, I'm telling you right off the bat, we're going to have fights in this country like we've never seen before. We're much worse than the Civil War. 
You know, I also think about the posts that uh, uh, Trump made there. And just if you look at it in terms of how it's going to be used as evidence against him uh, in the trial, and I think many other trials. I mean, one, just the fact that, and by the way, E. Jean Carroll's civil rape and defamation trial, which is coming up next month, I think that this could be evidence against him there. I mean, calling someone like Stormy Daniels, you know, horse face number one, and then going back into it and saying, I haven't seen or spoken to her. Um, uh, I haven't seen or spoken to her since I took a picture with her on a golf course in full golf gear, including a hat close to 18 years ago. I, I, I assume he's trying to say there that he wasn't naked in the photo. Like again, but, with you, his, know, you, you know, if you want to emphasize the hat, <laughs> Jesus, could you imagine? And the hat and his diapers. Salty, do me a favor. Please post my response. I think you're going to like this, Ben. There you go. Dumbass yeah. Donald taking his lies to his failing social media platform. The orange-crusted ignoramus is on full display with another incorrect use of the English language, dot, dot, dot. The word is an acquisition. You possibly, I should have, you possibly meant accusation. Hashtag best words, right? I mean, this is what, this is what he is. He's a dumbass, all right? There's no other way to describe it. And so... Look, do you think I care what Donald Trump says about my credibility? The answer is no. Do you think I care when you have folks like Paula Reed or you have some of these other, you know, pundits that are out there questioning my credibility? I don't. What I want to do is I want to continue to ensure that the truth is out there. You see, once when all of this nonsense was going on in my life and I was uh, un after the raid and before my sentencing, I was told by my counsel, you can't speak, right? Whatever it is that they say about you, you're not allowed to speak. If you do, I'm going to walk away from you. That's it, right? You cannot go on television. You cannot defend yourself. You just have to accept it because judges don't like it when uh, you make a circus out of the case. Well, I learned a very valuable lesson. And sometimes you have to turn around and walk away from that individual, that lawyer. I did not. But the more I think about it, the more I probably should have. Why? Because I allowed myself to become a punching bag. I allowed everyone to point their fingers and lie about me from the stupid Steele dossier, that corrupt piece of shit, Christopher Steele, all the way down to the unconstitutional remand. All right. I kept my mouth shut at the very beginning, because that's what I was told to do. I never had an issue before in my life. I have one interaction with, off, with police, and that was in 1985. I have one speeding ticket my entire life. And that's the only interaction I ever had with, with police. So I didn't know what to do. I was listening to the advice of my counsel, and it's a mistake. You have to always defend yourself. Do not ever be a punching bag, all right, to those who think that they're powerful, because they change the narrative. And I... And I stupidly allowed them to change the narrative on me with lie after lie after lie with the biggest dirtbag of them all, Avenatti, the guy who, according to Donald, that we are all in cahoots with in order to fuck him up, right? Avenatti every day would come on television and lie about me. And then that would become a story. And I wasn't allowed to go out and defend myself. So that's never, ever, ever going to happen again. And I refuse to sit back any longer and allow my credibility, my honor, all right, to, you know, be impugned. It's just not going to happen. I and talk, I have the facts on my side, which is the easier part. I want to talk about, you mentioned Truth Social uh, before and how it's completely falling apart. I mean, the uh, digital world acquisition SPAC stock is completely crashing. But to me, it's a perfect microcosm, though, of how everything Donald Trump touches dies, because here he now is out of office, right? Usually people who leave the presidency have lots of opportunities to do successful things. I mean, Trump can't even write his own book. He has to write one about letters that he received because he doesn't, he's not able to actually even sit down and, and write anything other than those heinous and despicable posts that he makes. But, you know, he, he creates this uh, digital entity, Trump media or whatever, which is a complete failure, but it has all the hallmarks of everything Trump does. And frankly, how he bankrupted everything before he was in office, how he 
bank bankrupted our country while in office, and and just look at the types of things that has occurred here. For example, um, we just learned very recently as well that uh, Trump's uh, Trump Media and Digital World Acquisition Company failed to pay the necessary administrative fees to even keep its listing on NASDAQ, which is in the tens of thousands of dollars. They just failed to pay the very basic fees. Trump-backed Truth Social failed to pay its hosting vendor $1.6 million that hosted the Truth Social platform. The trademark office rejected uh, Truth Social's mark because they didn't register it on time. Um, the SEC started investigating it for violations about communications that predate the announcement of the SPAC, which is a violation of securities law. The DOJ had to launch an investigation because of insider trading, now potential Russian money laundering um, with over $8 million uh, being lent through a promissory note um, from a bank in the Dominica Island um, that was arranged by the SPAC sponsor, um, as well as potentially unlawful communications that transpired between the SPAC and the target company before the announcement. So that's everything just in a microcosm. I could keep going on and on and on, but I do want to highlight that because it just shows that he can't run anything. But Cohen, as we wrap this up, I just want to give you the final word to kind of tie this whole episode up with a nice bow. Just all I want everyone to do is to continue to support, um, you know, the Midas Touch Network. I want you to stay with us and political beatdown. Um, we have a lot of fighting to do. We have a lot of work that we need to do as we're going to be entering into a chapter of American history that has never been more dangerous than it is today. And I promise you that Ben and I will be by your sides throughout this entire, entire process until we win. And so thank you all for helping to make political beatdown. You know, my, my mea culpa podcast is like number 30, you know, that's out there. Uh, Revenge is back up uh, in terms of a top, uh, I think it's number two in like politics and corruption. I mean, I'm, we're getting the message out and that's the important thing. So thank you all for the support. Thank you all for being a part of this. And again, I promise you that both Ben and I, along with his brothers, will be by your side through this entire process. And we will not let you down. Michael Cohen, American hero, and my co-host, thank you so much for this yeah, I don't episode. Know about hero, but definitely your definitely your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ben Micellis, joined by my co-host, Michael Cohen. You're watching the political beatdown on the Midas Touch Network. Shout out to the Midas Mighty.